Welcome to the Delish Guest List Podcast, a deep dive into the lives and work of Hong Kong's crazy food and beverage industry leaders, hosted by The Beat Asia. Today, we invited British chef Ash Salmon on his day off, head chef at modern British restaurant Roganic, and chef table experience Aulis. Joining Hong Kong's F&B fabric in 2018 to open both restaurants in the footsteps of Simon Rogan, Ash champions sustainability in his cooking and exposes the greatness of British cuisine in a fine dining format. Listen now on the Delish Guest List. Enjoy! What would you describe your style uh, out of the office then? My style out of the office? You mean what do you mean day to day? Well, as you can probably tell by my haircut and sense of dress, I have a very sort of, um, I don't want to say mod, but it's very sort of like casual, um, mm. almost like not subculture, but you know, it's like, yeah, indie, if yeah. you like, um, but not too wacky. Um, yeah, wear a lot of like Fred Perry, mm. <laughs> Pretty Cream. Um, oh, yeah, I'm really into that sort of scene. you got your Fred Perry out. Exactly right. Yeah, well, I've dressed up smart for you, Ruben, so. <laughs> the red, white, and uh, somewhat blue. Yeah, exactly right, yeah. It's a mix of French and also... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember well. Red Adidas Gazelles as well, so... <laughs> If you see about, you see walking on the street, you'll probably see me in a pair of Adidas gazelles. <laughs> do you think? Do you think you got that style when you were fifteen? Um, to be honest with you, I think I, yeah, I think just growing up, I was always really heavily into. I think in like Manchester, it's like quite a, a big scene, you know, the Parkers, the Fred Perry, the Haircourt, you know, Oasis, um, that sort of indie rock music scene is obviously very big in Manchester because it's obviously a heartbeat of um, music mm. and that sort of style of music. And the Northwest in general as well, you know, Liverpool as well. Um, yeah, so I just sort of really bought into that scene as a, a young boy, I suppose, massively into Oasis and the Stone Roses. Nice. Uh, but that was actually uh, best mates with Ian Brown when we were kids. So Ian Brown, for those who may not know, is the uh, lead singer of uh, the Stone Roses. My dad did uh, karate. He was like his karate partner when they were in the teenage years. Um, but and Ian went off to basically uh, form and run the band or I mean not run the band but do the Stone Roses and my dad um, carried on and got his black belt in karate and never heard from him again <laughs> um, so yeah yeah I suppose it's sort of like yeah just always been a part of me I suppose do you think you envisioned yourself having a career that would be in line with that subculture um, or going the opposite way completely, as you've done. Um, maybe a little bit, but I think there's a lot of crossover with like chefing and that sort of count subculture almost. Because mm. I think like you know, I think it's quite creative, and also I think in chefing, I don't think it's you know obviously we work it or I work in like a Michelin star restaurant, and it's but I don't think it's like too expensive or too extravagant. Yeah. I think it's quite honest, um, which sort of aligns with my personality. I think. But yeah, I think you find a lot of chefs, they're not, they're not academics, you know, chefing is very much not a fall, I don't, obviously not a fallout option, but you know, it's a, it's a creative, it's a creative industry. It's an amazing industry. And just because you're not academic, it's, you know, you have to still, it takes a certain type of person to be a chef. And I feel, um, I think a lot of chefs are like this, you know, mm. maybe they're not, they weren't academically great, but they've sort of gone into cooking, you know, the sort of, the discipline of it all, the hard work, the passion, it brings out a special thing in people. I feel that maybe, hopefully, well, hopefully did it with me. Um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's completely the opposite. I think I think yeah. you find in a lot of kitchens, you know, that, you know, that a lot of people are a little bit subculture or don't quite fit into the the mainstreams of society, if you like. Um, so yeah, because it's interesting. Prior, you came to Hong Kong in 2018. The 
modern British and French restaurants that you worked around Manchester, Liverpool, Cumbria. Mm. There's more Michelin star restaurants in the north beyond London than there are in London. Yeah. Why is that? Um, well, I think, I think, the, I think the, the scene's changed. I think you could go back like 10, 15 years ago. Maybe that wasn't the case. Mm. But I think, you know, when I started cooking, you know, you had to go to London. You had to go to London to work. You're not, you know, so you had to, but it was like a big thing because this is before, <laughs> I'm going to sound old now, this is before like social media was really big. Obviously, Gordon Ramsay was uh, the main man and still is so a lot of ways. Big fan of Gordon Ramsay. But yeah, I, I think as times moved on and social media and sort of the food trends has, have changed because I think people's appetite is maybe not quite for like fine dining French, which dominated the scene back then. Um, you know, it's not not moved on, but it's evolved. You know, there's mm. so many more variety of restaurants available now. And I think that sort of local, we sort of rediscovered our food heritage, if you like, you know, like the foraging of ingredients, the wild ingredients, the artisan suppliers, um, yeah, I think things like this have just evolved over the past 10, 15 years. And then, you know, thankfully, you see that reflected in the, the amount of quality restaurants outside of London. As, you know, the Northwest, you can look at Wales, you know, Birmingham. I mean, the Northeast now is like, there's a few amazing restaurants there. So, yeah, I mean, it's 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 great for Britain, I suppose. You know, it's the food, the food's definitely evolved. And yeah, there's more variety a rich cultural heritage that's obviously had a big influence on the food. So beyond the concrete city of London and heading up north to England where it's a bit more green, mm. you're in the forests, when you had the inkling and I guess the relationship building with Simon Rogan, who has formed this international partnership of organic in the UK and Hong Kong as well, do you want to bring that art of foraging, that art of, well, taking from the flora and fauna of our world and bring that into cooking in Hong Kong? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I think that was the idea from the, from the offset. Is obviously try and establish, you know, like an urban restaurant in mm. a city like Hong Kong, which is obviously not renowned for its. I mean, I don't want to offend anyone, but it's not exactly renowned for its farm-to-table food. Um, so yeah, I think that was probably the, the attraction of it. I think Simon's one of those chefs who always looks to do something different or maybe something that's challenging. You know, we're, we're in Causeway Bay. You know, we're not in Central. We're in. Um, you know, essentially a mall, which I know a lot of restaurants kind of are. <laughs> yeah, for Hong Kong, it's quite normal. Um, but yeah, we're not we're not in sort of that pristine location, if you like. Even though we're, we're in an amazing location, which in a way it kind of works to our advantage a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I suppose that was always the plan. You know, let's let's try and do something in Hong Kong to add to the rich um, food scene that's already here. You know, something a little bit different. You know, and I think it's taken a bit of time to get mm. there. You know, it's, it definitely wasn't easy. You know. Being in a different country, different language, different culture, trying to forge those relationships with suppliers. Yeah, it took it took time. It took time, um, but I think I'd like to think we're we're getting there. Obviously, as normal, we still got things we want to improve Absolutely. and get better, and that's that's not that's normal and natural. It's healthy, um, but yeah, I, f- I feel like we're I feel like we're getting there, and hopefully, we've contributed um, to the Hong Kong food scene in this past few years in a, in a positive manner. To flash forward five years mm. and jump to earlier this year and the eve of both the Michelin Guide Ceremony in Macau to award some of the best restaurants in our Twin Cities, as well as the five-year anniversaries with Organic. You earned your first green star mm. with Organic and you retained your one Michelin star. What does that mean for the growth of this, I'd say, small but growing industry? Well, I mean... Obviously, it's great for the like the PR point of view. You know, it's it's the Michelin guy. Obviously, is, is world renowned, and having having these um, 
awards and restaurants here doing this sort of thing. It's, I think it can only be good for Hong Kong. Um, so yeah, I mean, long, long may it continue. You know, let's hope it's um, it gets in, into people's consciousness a little bit. The importance of like sustainable eating or lifestyle, so to speak. You obviously no one's perfect. I'm definitely not perfect by any stretch. Um, but yeah, I mean, just we just we just try and promote what the farmers are doing in Hong Kong. You know, like you know, the amazing work that Zero Food Asia have been doing. We work very closely with um, Farmhouse Productions, Chun Ling. A few like um, James from Life Greens, who gets a lot of produce from Taiwan as well. Lot, wow. Works with lots of different organic farmers in Taiwan, which I suppose is is good for us all year because in Hong Kong, obviously, it's done this, we don't really have too many seasons. You know, it's very hot in the summer, very humid. You know, it's very hard to get the sort of produce we we would use as a British restaurant. So of course, we look a little bit sort of further afield. So it's great to have these connections. Um, with organic farmers in, in, in neighbouring um, countries and cities, you know. So, yeah, I mean, fingers crossed. We can just keep we can just keep doing what we're doing, and hopefully, add our little bit of, you know, contribution to the Hong Kong food scene. Yeah. Can you explain to a layman the differences between organic and outlets that approach to farm to fork or farm to table? Yeah. So, organic and outlets, um, essentially, like a farm-to-fork ethos restaurant, mm. even though I don't, I don't like to use the buzzwords, you know, but I suppose we're, yeah, we just take great organic produce, local produce where, obviously, where possible. Um, but if it isn't, obviously, local, we look further afield, but obviously with the right suppliers, making sure the quality is there from from its source. Um, so, yeah, we're just a relaxed fine dining, I'd like to say, you know, obviously, we good flavours, quite clean, um, it's not too, you don't find lots of caviar and truffle on the menu, even though they're amazing produce and I love them. And we, they are here, here and there where sometimes, but it's, it's luxury, but maybe like a different style of luxury. You know, it's not French fine dining luxury, you know, it's not far gras, you know, really heavy sauces, mm. even though they're beautiful again. Um, you know, it's a different style, a little bit more, maybe like focus on vegetables. We use a lot of vegetables for our sauces, um, for like a little bit of fermentation, using that as like a base for a sauce, maybe. Um, so yeah, it's a little bit of a lighter style of cooking, I guess, and quite vegetable focused. But of course, features like fish and shellfish and meat, but in small quantities. So when I do when we, a lot of our dishes, maybe like the vegetable will take center stage, and then maybe there'll be little bits of maybe like a fish or a shellfish or a meat to sort of supplement that and just add that extra layer of flavor and and luxury if you like and obviously to complement the vegetable because we're obviously not a plant-based restaurant Mm. um that's the that's the sort of ethos and style of the food i guess obviously we have a couple of courses where the fish and the meat take center stage but in general i think you'll find that like it's all about the vegetable being the main ingredient and then complemented by yeah some of the little bits and bobs five years is a long time to operate a restaurant in hong kong and to survive especially Mm during mm. previous protests and COVID and now coming out of that to still be thriving. Hopefully, I don't know the books. Yeah, yeah, no, we're, we're, doing, we're doing all right, thankfully. You guys are yeah. doing all right, thank yeah, yeah. <laughs> Vegetables are always thought as an aftertaste or an afterthought. Yeah. Yeah. They just, they're there for some green color on yeah. a plate. How have you guys been able to succeed in bringing vegetables into the forefront, especially vegetables from our own city? Yeah, well, I mean... I guess if I knew the answer, I don't know. I mean, the honest answer is I don't know the answer. <laughs> but um, I'd like to think that maybe like we, we came with something different, I think. And obviously Simon's you know 
got a big name in the UK, obviously not necessarily mm. here, but obviously it helps having a chef like Simon, the Simon his name attached to a restaurant, obviously. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I, 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 I think it's just because we maybe offered something a little bit different from the Hong Kong, sure. the food scene, you know, at the time. Um, yeah, and I think I think that sort of played in our advantage. You know, I, I think if like Organic was in London, maybe it would have been a lot harder for us because there's a lot of restaurants that are doing this style of food or this this approach to food, and obviously it's a lot more competitive market in that respect. Where I'm not saying we not had competition. I don't want to sound. I don't want to say that, but you know what I mean. It, it wasn't exactly a fine dining, farm to table restaurant. You know, in Causeway Bay in in uh, Hong Kong itself. So maybe it was a little bit, oh, it's good to Causeway Bay to check out this restaurant, <laughs> you know. It's something that made it a little bit different. And I think Hong Kong, yeah. I mean, people love something a bit different. And thankfully, they've embraced what we do. Um, I think we've got, a, you know, it's a good price point for the restaurant. You know, we offer, like, good value for money, I feel. Um, so, yeah, I think people, yeah, just appreciate that. The, the relaxed sort of service style. We're quite friendly. Um, you know, like, yeah. So hopefully that's that's the reason why we've uh, we're still here and um, long may it continue. <laughs> Hong Kong is an easy way to you know travel from Causeway Bay to here, yeah, to, yeah, to your home, to the new territories, to the border, to the airport, and I guess Causeway Bay is only a few minutes. Well, it is, yeah. But funny enough, it's mad to say that because it's like it's funny how people won't be willing, willing to travel though because it's not essential. You know, it's it's quite crazy really because I I think like that. I'm like, oh, it's only ten minutes in the. Do you think that's a challenge to bring the restaurant into even better heights because it's in Causeway Bay and because you're serving vegetable-focused menu? Um, maybe a little bit, yeah. I mean, you know, we it's different clientele, I suppose. Obviously, we're open for lunch and dinner, so our lunch menu sort of obviously we want, we want to offer like a nice, um, affordable lunch menu to give a little taste of what we do on our evening menu. Um, but we, can, we we can't start charging eight hundred dollars for a lunch menu, you know, and because we're in Causeway Bay, the foot traffic, you know, it's very shopping sort of, you know, hope, like a little bit touristy now again. We can't, we can't bring those sort of um, business people in per se. Mm. Or yeah, so I suppose yeah, in in that respect, obviously we need to. It's like any any restaurant, you have to cater to your market and 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 be um, clever of like what you offer. Obviously, stick to your guns. You don't want to chop and change what you what you do completely, but you need to you need to know your market as well. I think and. I think we'd probably do that anyway if we were in Central. Obviously, maybe like a little bit more expensive or whatever, but I don't think it'd be too much different. But yeah, maybe a little bit. With the approach staying the same to deliver this farm-to-fork philosophy in the service, in the plating, in the menu, in the offerings itself, what are the real challenges to source locally? And why aren't other restaurants doing it? It's probably the, the, the amount of produce you can get because obviously a lot mm. of farms we work with are quite small scale. Um, they're not like you know, these big, you know, big massive farms with all the a lot of the all the equipment, all the all the gadgets. You know, like a lot of the farms, they don't. It's not as if they've got loads of funding as well. Yeah. You know, um, which is a big shame, really. So yeah, so I suppose it's getting the getting the amount of produce. You know, <laughs> we probably take it all. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe there's a French restaurant they want to use French produce, and that's 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 fine. That's absolutely fine. That's what they do. You know, and. And yeah, we want to we want to source locally where possible, and obviously it comes with its challenges. Obviously, it's not like always oh, sort consistency of the produce. Sometimes is can be challenging. Not not I don't mean that in a bad way, but it's not like what we do with organic. It's not everything is not grown to a carrot's not always grown to five centimeters, and if it's not mm. five centimeters, it's not sensey. You know, we get 
carrots that could be like two centimeters or ten centimeters, like thicker, wide, or you know what I mean. Just that's just an example, but yeah, we we love the challenge and it's mm. what what I ethos and what we believe in. So we just crack on with it, you know. Um, yeah. Hey everyone, I'm Natsuki Arita, the editor of the Delish Guestless podcast. Just dropping in to tell you that we are published by the Beat Asia the fastest-growing regional publication for F&B news, event coverage, nightlife happenings, culture, and more. Find us at thebeat.asia to feel the pulse of Hong Kong and Asia. Let's get back to Ash. Do you think it's fair to call Alice and Roganic strictly modern British? There's French technique, there's Japanese, then you're also using a bulk of, like you said, Hong Kong produce. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I would say, I suppose we are, we are a modern British restaurant, I suppose, mm. yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, the food has Simon's identity, you know, and I think, like, you know, what is modern British? I think modern British has influences from all over, you know, like, it's a, it's a very kind of big kind of worms, you know, modern British food. <laughs> we don't, we're not just doing sausage and mash anymore, you know. We've <laughs> even though I love that, don't get me wrong, but, um, yeah, I think it's, uh, yeah, I, I'd call it a modern British restaurant. Obviously, mm. maybe just based in Hong Kong, I suppose. Um but again, we we take we take a little bit of inspiration and bits and bobs from the region we're in because, I mean that's 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 sensible, you know. Like we used the local produce, you know, and yeah, little bits and bobs and whatever. So, but we're still sticking sticking to Simon's identity and, and ethos and approach to food. Um, yeah. So is it Simon's or Executive Chef Oli Marlow, mm. which you opened Roganic within 2018? Is that their commitment or your commitment to using organic produce? Yeah, it's a company commitment. Mm. Yeah, obviously myself as well, you know, like I'm very passionate about it. Um, I love working with like small scale artisan suppliers and just supporting the local people where in, in the city I call home, you know, like, so I think that's important, you know, like to me is, and without trying to sound, um, you know, whatever, but it is, it is important to me. I want to sort of contribute and try and support the local community. It's important to me as a chef and a person. So what does Roganic do on the sustainability front in Hong Kong? At the restaurant, obviously, we have um, we, we compost all our food waste, which obviously we have to we we pay for. Which is we compost like things like the coffee grounds. Mm. Again, we, you know, we have the Evergrow cabinets in the restaurant, so we obviously we do use some local little supplies as well um, for little um, bits and bobs. But we grow a lot of the little micro shoots for the restaurant in house. We've got the little Cena rooftop farm that grows lots, lots of little herbs for us. Uh, mainly used on the bar. We don't use too much in the kitchen because we've got things already. But the bar uses like you know like little mints and things, lemon verbena and little bits and bobs like that. Again, you know, I think it's just the, um, supporting the local organic artisan suppliers. Yeah, so that's sort of that's sort of our approach, and that's what we've been recognised for. So, yeah, leading the game for five years and in this specific niche of sustainable farm to fork using local suppliers where other Hong Kong restaurants aren't embracing as much of that philosophy. Mm. How can you push them to do that? Um, yeah, I mean, I suppose it's not really my job or, or responsibility. I don't really want to, like, push a restaurant to do mm. something that they're not doing, you know? I mean, mm. each restaurant is entitled to be what they want to be. That's the beauty of restaurants, you know? We don't, but I think I mean, all, all good restaurants, I think, have an element of sustainability about them, you know, because... Good restaurants, good chefs use great produce, and they use great artisan suppliers. You know, and I think that's that's the key issue here. I think obviously we have a, the tag for being sustainable, which is great for our approach. 
but that's our approach, you know? And I don't think every restaurant has to do that. I think every, every restaurant's entitled to do their own thing, you know? Tell me more about the composting or organic. Um, yeah, so basically what they take all our sort of, um, anything that's organic matter, if you like, um, basically goes in our food compost bin and gets taken every night um, to their sort of compost depot and then gets broken down into, obviously, um, soil and whatnot to, and it gets distributed out to, like, local farms and things like that. Um yeah, so I mean, we don't do. It's not like big chicken bones or anything like that, but you know, like eggshells or little trimmings from the vegetables. You know, being a fine dining restaurant, we have a little bit of trimmings when we're making things into like pretty little shapes. Um, but we use stuff for stuff food, obviously. But yeah, whatever we don't, not going to use. We stick in the compost bin. You guys are really trying to fit yourself into the the cycle. You're sourcing locally, then you're also bringing that compost locally, and it really does take out those carbon emissions yeah yeah exactly yeah a little bit like a full circle um yeah yeah, so i think it's important and obviously i don't i don't know if it's really that common in hong kong maybe it is maybe it isn't i'm not too sure which is obviously a big shame because you think about all the food waste you get in restaurants you know and i probably obviously can't probably say the the name of the place but you know the amount of times maybe in the supermarket late at night and you see them like throwing all the produce in the bin the plastic packaging it's like i mean i don't want to sound uh all high horsey, but it's it's hard to watch and it? it's hard to stomach and yeah, it's it's not good. And we need it needs to change. The food industry it needs it needs a bit of a shake up. Yeah. What's what's keeping you in Hong Kong? What's the, so sticky about the city? Well, I mean it's an amazing city, isn't it? I mean it's yeah, yeah. it's like you know the, well, everything about it really, like, you know, the weather, it's I what I love about Hong Kong, it's like you could be in a you could be in the city in one minute and like ten minutes you're in you're at the beach. Or you can go to a little island, you know, have a little walk around, be in nature, clear your head. You know, it's just a great place to live, you know, and obviously, the, you know, like the weather's great, food's great, very vibrant, buzzy. The F&B industry here is absolutely, yeah, really, really cool. I love being a part of it. And hopefully, you know, like, you know, adding something cool to it. And yeah, everyone's just really friendly, you know, and it's like everyone's, it's like a nice community, you know, it's quite small and tight knit. You know, um, I think everyone sort of knows each other, which is pretty nice. You know, you go into a restaurant, say hello, have a little drink, catch up. Yeah, it's just a nice, it's a nice place to, it's a nice place to work and live. Yeah. I think people here are like really sort of resilient as well. You know, I like the people, the people obviously as well as sort of, yeah. It's the people that make a place. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. And I got, yeah. It's yeah. a city with a town feel, but not as small as Warrington. No. <laughs> yeah. No, no, absolutely not. So that's why you've left the- the town of 250,000, you've come to the city of 8 million. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm actually from a, a, a village near Warrington as well, so it's even smaller. Oh so it's like, but I've, I've worked in cities and, you know, I worked in London for a few years, um, obviously Manchester, um, near Liverpool. And then, yeah, I think, I, mean, I came actually did a pop-up with Simon a couple of years ago, um, Jan, you know, Kurt Westaway. Uh, so I mean, I've always, like, really wanted to come to Asia to, like, sort of work and travel, but, like, never really sort of done it if you know what I mean and then did go to Singapore with Simon I was like oh I've really sort of embraced it you know like I know obviously Singapore is a different country but you know it's Asia you know and like I think yeah. when the opportunity to come over to Hong Kong with Simon I was like and he asked me if I was interested I was like absolutely you know like I just you know I love the food the culture like it's something different you know like it's to go into Europe it's like obviously it's different but it's Asia's like completely different kettle of fish you know and I like to think I'm, I'm someone who can adapt to my surroundings and challenge myself in that way mm. you know whether it's maybe like different style of restaurant or whatever like I feel like going to Asia and like really sort of embracing it and yeah I had that little bit of long clue you know and that's why I love working with Simon and like I sort of 
but all from, you know, saw his food, his approach, you know, the cooking, the restaurant, the farm, everything like that. It's like really inspiring. I really like embraced it, you know, and I feel like coming to Asia and doing it would be like, yeah, just embrace a new challenge. And I think, yeah, love it. So God forbid you've been, <laughs> you were living in Singapore for five years. Thank God you're in Hong Kong. For <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. 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 And I prefer Hong Kong. <laughs> how's, your, how's your French? How's my French? Yeah. Um, uh, very minimal. <laughs> <laughs> my Cantonese is, I mean, I can say a few words. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But, well, I mean, you weren't working in fine dining Cantonese restaurants in the middle of England, so. No, no, I wasn't. I mean, obviously, <laughs> I like, say we chef and uh, that's, that's about it. <laughs> yeah. So what Cantonese words do you know? Um, I'm allowed to say rude ones. <laughs> sure. Uh, put guy. <laughs> uh, lap sap, obviously, is uh, one we have to use sometimes. <laughs> What's a lap sap then? Uh, it's like rubbish, isn't it? Yeah, go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm obviously on goy. I like to like, try, make a bit of an effort of saying, like, Joe Sun in the morning to the, to the team. I say, like, I'm goy, you know, sometimes, like, to the, to the guys. I think, I think it's important, I think. Um, and I think they appreciate it. So I think it's, it's just a bit respectful. So yeah. is it interesting working with a real multinational, mixed cultural team in Hong Kong? Um, yeah, I mean a lot of our a lot of our um, guys and girls are local. Obviously, we have a few in the UK that have worked with, with Simon for before. Um, um, obviously, the two shoe chefs, Adam and Mark, and we've got Kieran, who's worked for Simon um, in the UK, and uh, Nico as well, who's worked for Simon, and then sort of everybody else is sort of local. And then we have a couple of a few Koreans. Uh, Taiwanese, so yeah, it's it's good mix. Yeah, does that also help the the growth of the modern British take? I've, well, yeah, I think I think it's always good to have a bit of diversity. You know, like I think that's what makes it interesting. It's important. You know, everyone's the same. It's boring, and I think from a from a sort of leadership perspective as well, it's it's I enjoy the, the sort of you know. You know, not everyone's the same, you know what I mean? So you need to approach people differently, and I think it's important. I mean, it's, yeah, it's diversity is, is healthy. Because it is interesting having a modern British fine dining Michelin-starred restaurant mm. in Hong Kong. What was the last bastion of the, the empire? British is never just British. Yeah. It all has its influences. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. No, it's, 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 yeah, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. This feels like a hip-hop show. Do you want to do more shout-outs? <laughs> shout outs to the uh, Warrington gang yeah, shout outs to mum and dad <laughs> we should yeah. do that at the end of every episode yeah shout out <laughs> shout out um, yeah yeah, yeah. Funny hell. I made it <laughs> moving on to our rapid fire questions Ash okay you have less <laughs> you have less than 30 seconds to come up with a few words to answer each question if you fail to come up with an answer in 5 seconds We'll move on to the next one. Okay. Are you Let's, nervous? Oh, a little bit, yeah. I mean, we've got five <laughs> seconds, so. <laughs> what gets you up in the morning? Uh, the challenge of work. Nice. If you weren't from the UK cooking British food, what kind of restaurant would you be manning? I'd like to, it would have been like maybe Japanese. Yeah. Nice. Japanese, yeah. What football team do you support? Liverpool. Okay. Are you closer to Liverpool than Manchester? Uh, in the middle, really. Fair yeah. enough. So you had yeah. to pick. Yeah, well, my dad's a big, big United fan, so he's not happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> Why should or shouldn't other British chefs come to Hong Kong to cook? Um, well, they should do because it's an amazing place to work for, like, the sort of what we spoke about earlier, you know? Great weather, great food scene, you know, just a great place to you know, great place in Asia to sort of travel around yeah why, why wouldn't you want to come no excuse well, I, well apart from the housing prices might put people off obviously <laughs> <laughs> I mean the rent's extortionate but I mean if you get lucky it's not too bad 
Like you said, 10 minutes to the beach. Exactly right. Yeah. You remember that. <laughs> what is one ingredient every chef should stock in their pantry? Salt. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> what do you, how do you balance your mental health working as a chef in the industry? Um, so we do a thing at Rogan. We have three days off a week. Um, yeah. So I think we just, yeah, we would try and give a bit, bit of uh, time back to the team to sort of like refresh. Um, and then, yeah, just... Obviously, just trying to have a bit of a life because this industry and this job is very demanding. And, you know, I wouldn't have it any other way, to be honest with you. I, I like the commitment to it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's important It's important to have time off as well and relax. Absolutely. What is the best restaurant you've ever eaten at? <sighs> That's a tough one. Um, Zen. Zen in Singapore or Miami in Norway, where my girlfriend is currently working. Three Michelin star, It is correct, yeah. It's an amazing, amazing restaurant. How long has she been there for? Um, so she's been there for about five months. She was at Roganic for a couple of years with us. And I think, uh, yeah, she's wanted to go off and get some new new experience. Um, so, yeah, so obviously what, what of a better restaurant than Miami, you know? So, yeah, really proud of her. Shout out to TJ. Another shout out. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do on your days off? Um, read a book. Nice. Go to the beach, watch some Netflix, eat some food. Usual stuff. Where's yeah. your favourite beach? Um, my favourite beach. I like Llama. Llama's cool. I know it's a bit like I don't. I'm not really one for like. I don't know all the secret beaches, but it's just easy. It's a nice little, nice little island. Go and have a beer. Yeah. Fair nice. enough. What are you reading right now? So I'm reading uh, Unreasonable Hospitality by Will Gudara. <laughs> I'm sorry if I don't say that right. Um, but he was like the ex um, EMP. He was like the basically the front of house ops manager, if you like. Um, but yeah, it's really insightful. Um, that's what I mean. Interesting. What do you miss about the villages, towns, and cities in the north of England? <sighs> the pubs, obviously. A nice <laughs> pint of beer, you know. And I mean, like the little architecture, like it's sort of, it's got a charm to it, you know. I think everyone, every every nice place has a charm, you know. And home's home, you know, and you can't, there's no place like home, is there? And it's got that nice little charm. If you ever have a friend or family member visiting from abroad to Hong Kong, where are you taking them to eat and drink? Well, I know Richard gave the same answer, but for the yard food. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. It's good. <laughs> but it's a great restaurant, and I think they encapsulate that sort of Western hospitality with, you know, Japanese yakitori. Um, yes, it's a great starting point. Um, so, yeah, I'd probably take them there. I don't, I, there's a lot of, like, Samson's also a good one. I, really, I love Samson. Great Thai food, buzzy place. Yeah. Never disappoints. No, never disappoints. You're quite right. Where are you uh, travelling to next? Um, we're probably going to Vietnam. So TJ is coming over in July, and we have a lot of travel around Vietnam. Do the whole sort of back back a trail, starting Ho Chi Minh, work our way up. So yeah, really excited. Yeah. If you won the lottery tomorrow, what are you doing with your fortunes? Uh, open a restaurant and hopefully do invest in something that will ho- help the sort of F and B community. What type of restaurant? Well, probably similar to what we do now with. Obviously, my <laughs> with mine and TJ's <laughs> um, <laughs> touch and personality, I suppose. But yeah, I mean, the food, Simon's food, and what we're doing now, that approach is what, nice. what I really enjoy and something I want to continue doing in the future. What's one basic skill every chef must be good at? Um, sharpening knives. I thought you'd say that. Mm-hmm. What is your guilty pleasure snack when you're sick, hungover, or too lazy to cook? Oh, definitely a burger. I love a burger. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I love a burger. Where's the best burger? Well, I listen to you. Hombo is good, obviously. Yeah, I like Shake Shack. I know it's a bit. I know it's. Uh, yeah, Shake Shack's good. Hombo's good. Yeah, 
But they're probably the two. And finally, what are you cooking in the coming months that you can share with us on the podcast? Um, So we've got got a little event going on with Tatler, um, Arcane and Organic. Do a little pop-up in Kin Food Halls. So really excited for that. Um, uh, Mitchie's coming over from Restaurant Coney in um, Two Mission Star in Tokyo. That's happening on the 10th of June and the 11th of June. So that's really exciting, obviously. Yeah, really excited to work for him. I, lo- I love his food. Um, yeah, so that's that's what we've got going on. Nice. Yeah. When are you off to Vietnam then? Remind me again. Uh, July. So Ooh. I think like the, the sort of last two weeks of July. I think it's going to be rainy season, isn't it? So, Hot and steamy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's not great, but yeah. I ate my heart out. <laughs> I think I went about four weeks ago. Okay. Oh, Ho Chi Minh is just food. Yeah, I'll have to get some recommendations. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I spent 400 bucks. That was it. Hong Kong. Yeah, I know. It's, it's crazy. It almost, it's almost a little bit like embarrassing in a way. You know, it's like, you know, it's like oh God, it's, <laughs> I feel like I should be paid more. <laughs> Keep your finger on the pulse and tap follow to keep up with The Beat Asia to hear more colorful chats and rich stories. This episode is hosted by myself, Ruben Verabes. Big shout out to Ash Salmon for coming on the Delish Guest List to share his story. Our producer for this episode is Marcus Trema. We are edited by Natsuki Arita. That's all for this episode. See you in the next one. <laughs>